the squadron. They called him Bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Ah, phew. They are. They want a race war. They do. The mainstream media, they want us to be at each other's throats over the matter of race. And uh, they seem to be getting their way. Did you see what happened in Chicago? I mean, all the madness, right? And the rampaging. We're kind of accustomed to that. People jumping up and down on cars, uh, you know, throwing rocks and buildings and stealing stuff. Uh, but here's something. And I'm looking at it right now. You got a mob of about, I don't know, 80 kids. And they're beating up a young woman. They're beating up a young woman in the middle. And uh, I'm trying to think of the last time I've seen anything like this. And I can't place it. I can't place it. And I'm looking at it, and I'm just using my powers of observation and uh, where we are as a country at this moment and the conversation. And I I have to say that I think this is somehow applicable. I think it's somehow relevant. The woman is white, and everybody around her beating her up is black. Yeah, that's relevant. They want a race war, okay? You watch the news day in and day out. You convince yourselves that there's white supremacy everywhere, right? That all cops are racist, that white people are racist, that a white woman sticking up for herself and not letting a stranger into the vestibule of a building is somehow, that's racism. And you hear this all the time, and you wonder, you wonder how a scene like this could unfold. The mainstream media demonizing a race, demonizing, demonizing white people. It's happened. You know, people are people. People are individuals. It's uh, there's good and bad in everybody, and but now it's coming over the regular TV. You don't have to go hunting for this junk on the internet. It's coming over channel two, channel four, channel seven, the big main networks, and the New York Times, and all those media institutions that so many people, believe it or not, still trust. They still trust. I see this all over the place, and, uh, well, here you go. Here you go. Ready? CNN. Top story. Is this really a top story? Cut 30, please. Cut 30. Outrage in Kansas City this morning after a black teenager was shot in the head when he mistakenly went to the wrong address to pick up his younger brothers. This is 16-year-old Ralph Yarl. He is currently hospitalized in stable condition. Well, that's terrible. Absolutely terrible. Why are we talking about I mean, I'm sorry, people get shot all the time. And those are horrible circumstances, right? Uh, why? Why, why, the, why this? There are thousands and thousands and thousands of shootings. Why this one? Ah, yes. All right, because the shooter is white. The shooter is white, the alleged shooter, I should point out. Okay, we got to see how the process plays out. Yeah, everybody, I guess he's under arrest, and uh, this looks very, very bad. He's probably guilty, but the presumption of innocence, hello. But there's Ben Crump, the number one race hustler of the universe, sitting there and trying to racialize this so he can profit, so he can make money. Cut 31, please, cut 31. I mean, to have... Black people ring a doorbell and then have a white citizen shoot him in the head first and then shoot him a second time. I mean, there is no way you can justify this. Yeah, but apparently you can justify it if it was a black person shooting a black person, or at least you could ignore it. I guess you could totally ignore it. 
Uh, it doesn't look at all justified to me, all right? This is a bad, bad shooting. But isn't that kind of, like, inherent? <laughs> like, most shootings. Most shootings are actually bad. Most. Most. Um, yeah, most in the inner city. Absolutely. Most of these uh, shootings are bad. Inner city, suburbs, most of the time. Every now and then you hear about somebody, you know, defending themselves and everything's fine. But uh, a lot of these shootings are bad. But the only thing that gets... uh Crump's Irish up is that it's a white shooter. The white shooter that elevates black lives don't matter. Black lives do not matter, except if that black life is taken by a white person. That's what you need. That's the critical link, the critical piece of the puzzle. You have to have a white component. You have to have the the aggressor must be white. The victim must be black. There, that way, you can make money, you can gain power, prestige, go on talk shows. Uh, that's it. That's the key. Black people killing black people. Nobody gives a damn. Unfortunately, I do. How about those beautiful black children we see? We profile them all the time on the Newsmax show. These beautiful children being shot often by stray bullets because so many of these gangbangers never bothered to learn how to fire their weapons. Never took a course from the NRA, the National Rifle Association. Hello? These guys, half of what they do is about marksmanship and muzzle awareness and treating every weapon as if it were loaded and only put your finger on the trigger when you are aiming at what it is you want to hit. Not a one-year-old kid at a birthday party, I hope. Wow. Now, (laughs) why... Why, why, why do I feel this? Why, 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 why? Well, you know, a woman was shot and killed going up the wrong driveway in upstate New York. Did you hear about this? Uh, let's see. Woman killed driveway. Let's see. It's, it's, it's out there, but it's not, not nearly as much attention. Not nearly as much. Listen to this. A 20-year-old woman was shot and killed Saturday after she and three others accidentally turned into the wrong driveway while looking for a friend's house in rural upstate New York, authorities said. CNN, the woman, identified as Keelan Gillis, was a passenger in a vehicle when a man fired two shots from his front porch, Washington County Sheriff Jeffrey Murphy said in a news conference on Monday. I bet you didn't even know we had a Washington County, New York, right? I didn't. There are 63 counties up there. Who knows? Uh, Jeffrey Murphy said in the news conference, uh, one of the shots hit the vehicle and struck Gillis, the sheriff said. The man, 65-year-old Kevin Monahan, has been charged with second-degree murder in connection with her death, Murphy said on Monday. It's unclear whether Monahan has retained an attorney yet. Um, now, why is not this the um, the topic du jour? Why aren't there riots and parades and uh, you know sit out, sit-downs and all that stuff? What do they call them? Sit, sit down, sit outs, sit, sit in, sit ins, <laughs> sit downs, sit in. We're going to have a sit in over this. Why, why, why? Well, because you got two white people involved and, and, and nobody, Ben Crump can't find a way to make money. Uh, you can't, you can't nationalize a story like this. You can't make it fodder. Yeah, you know, CNN will spend 30 seconds on it, but you can't make it into a thing. You can't develop a special graphic and you can't play the music and you can't have all that other stuff. You can't make it a thing, right? You can't make it a thing. Ah, now we have a thing. We have a thing on our hands, and it's ah, it's tearing this country apart, and it's fake news, and it's, you know what? It's the enemy of the people. The media enemy of the people doesn't go. 
I totally agree with that statement. At one point, I was even taken back. Gosh, I wish he wouldn't say that. I wish Donald Trump wouldn't say enemy of the people. And I, I thought about it. I said, well, I could say this. The enemy, they're no friend of the people. But enemy, no, they are the enemy of the people working relentlessly to tear this country apart. I think they want riots. They want riots. They want to see the whole damn thing burn up. Because why? I guess it could possibly hurt Trump, keep them in business. I don't know. I don't know. Gives these uh, smug anchors a reason to uh, uh, exist behind their big plastic desk. I don't know. What is it about? Um, hey, once again, this Madeline Bream, I love her. Uh, she lost her son to gun violence in New York City. And it happened before Alvin Bragg became the district attorney. But it was prosecuted or not prosecuted under Alvin Bragg. She was getting the runaround. They dropped the charges against the killers, all kinds of things. And she showed up at that meeting run by uh, Jim Jordan and the Judiciary Committee. And she was on fire. She told the story about what happened. And it's five minutes long. And we played it actually yesterday. We played a, a big chunk of what happened. and But then afterwards, the Democrats start lecturing these people and saying, you're, you're just being used. And who the hell are they? You know who Dan Goldman is? He's some rich kid, uh, former pretty boy, who's now a congressman from Brooklyn. Uh, Dan Goldman, uh, total jerk. Anyway, boy, oh boy, does he get his. Cut 33, please, cut 33. The purpose of this hearing is to cover up for what they know to be an inappropriate investigation. Now, I look forward, many of you are Can I in respond New York City. To you, please? No, not right now, because I only have 20 seconds. I'm sorry. But I, I do Don't want to. Don't insult talk. my intelligence. That, I, I, you're hang not on, gonna, hang on. The gentleman's time. I'm not insulting you. You're trying to insult me time. like I'm not aware of this, what's going on frame. here. Thank you. Okay? I, I'm fully aware of what's going on here. Gentlemen, I will suspend. Okay? Gentlemen, gets another 15 seconds. Thank you. That's why I walked away from the plantation of the Democratic Party. Committee will be in order. Ms. Brain, what I was what I was about to say. Dad, we don't care, Dan Goldman. Your time is up. (laughs) I only have 10 more seconds. Did he lose a son or daughter to gun violence? You're going to tell this woman, no, you can't speak right now. It's my turn to speak. We've heard quite enough out of Dan Goldman. This guy was the uh, House counsel during phony impeachment. Was it phony impeachment number one or phony impeachment number two? You know, they're giving Fox News such a hard time about uh, election coverage. Uh, and I see that CNN and the New York Times, oh, they're feasting on their situation right now. What about the situation? What about the fake Russia hoax? What about it? Did they return the Pulitzer Prizes? Did they apologize to their readers? Did they? No, they didn't. See, when you lie about one side, it's okay. It's just, it's just totally fine. Um, what else happened here? Oh, this is another guy. This is Georgia Congressman Hank Johnson. And, uh, he, uh, he gets his too. All the Democrats were trying to say, you people are being used. You know what I'm talking about, right? The judiciary came up to New York to have a hearing about crime in New York because it's out of control. Forget about what Elwick Adams says and, uh, the little minions who work for him. We all know it. Crime is out of control. They're screwing with the numbers, absolutely, um, and we can see it all over the place. And there are more guns than ever before. Why? Because we have drastically cut back on dra- uh, stop and frisk. So uh, after you indict a president that we like, it's going to open up uh, a whole uh, – that's going to draw some, some scrutiny, don't you think? It's still going to draw some attention, and there ain't nothing wrong with that. 
We can ask questions about Alvin Bragg and the kind of city that he's creating. He's destroying. This is a beautiful place that he is destroying. And that Eric Adams also, he even if he wanted to save the city, he couldn't. Anyway, here's Hank Johnson of Georgia. Says the whole thing is a sham. I think you're a sham, Hank. Cut 34. Republican witnesses who have used their time to criticize District Attorney Bragg have served as props in a MAGA Broadway production. The real purpose in coming to New York City. Can we have order? The real purpose in coming to New York City. Gentlemen, we'll suspend. Stop the clock. Gentlemen, we'll suspend. Wow. Poor, Poor Hank Johnson's worried about his time. Stop the clock. Stop the clock. How can you go and tell people who've lost loved ones or have been the victims of crimes themselves that they are props? They are props. They're supposed to be treated with absolute respect. And this is total. This is a completely worthy line of inquiry. I love it. It needs to happen. And here's fat ass Jerry Nadler. Uh, this guy. Can you believe I'm in uh, this parasite? Right. What does he? What do any of these politicians deliver? He's been in Congress since 1992, living off the fat of the land, huh? And boy, oh boy, you sure got your fill. Cut 35, please. Cut 35. But I love these people because they won't stand for it. I wish this happened at every congressional hearing. Cut 35. The chairman is doing the bidding of Donald Trump. Committee Republicans designed this hearing to intimidate and deter the duly elected district attorney of Manhattan. It is, to use the chairman's favorite term, a weaponization of the House Judiciary Committee. I do not know if Mr. Trump will be found guilty. I do not know. Gentlemen, suspend. The gallery uh, should refrain from commenting and let the gentleman from New York finish his statement. All right. Jim Jordan has to say that, but I love it. Oh, man. The, there was some yelling, and then there's good old laughing, right? Good old laughing. These people are so unbelievably out of touch. All right. That's kind of depressing, but I got some good news coming up. Be right back. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. When you have the chief reporter on the beat of COVID for the New York Times talking about how questioning or pursuing the question of the lab leak is racist, the world has gone mad. When you're not able to say out loud and in public that there are differences between men and women, the world has gone mad. When we're not allowed to acknowledge that rioting is rioting and it is bad, and that silence is not violence, but violence is violence, the world has gone mad. When we're not able to say that Hunter Biden's laptop is a story worth pursuing, the world has gone mad. When in the name of progress, young school children, as young as kindergarten, are being separated in public schools because of their race. And that is called progress rather than segregation. The world has gone mad. 
God bless that woman. That's Barry Weiss, formerly of the New York Times. You think like that, you talk like that, you, you can't stay at the New York Times. They were hassling her. They were bullying her internally, externally. She wrote one word. She gets cyberbullied globally for those kinds of things. That's that's so reasonable. She actually uh, uttered those words. I think um, it's almost a year and a half ago, maybe. Um, but they, it's like a, it's an inflection point, and uh, it's still like it from time to time. It still goes viral. She said all that stuff on CNN, and uh, they're trying to take her down. They're trying to no, you, you're exaggerating. No, she's not exaggerating. Barry Weiss, remember that name? Uh, check her out. She's all over the place. There are reasons to be hopeful. Uh, number one, you're good. I'm good, uh, and there are some really great people out there. Josh Hawley, Jim Jordan, uh, Barry Weiss, we just talked about her. Hey, even Bill Maher half the time, half the time. He's, he's And I, we're just not going to be pushed around. We're not going to let this happen, are we? Huh? Are we? We're going to stand up. We know I, you don't have to go along with it. You just don't have to go along with it, even though they really desperately want you to. Uh, we don't have to buy it. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, there's another reason to be hopeful. There's a great new movie. Did you see my Newsmax show? His Only Son. This is a great movie for Christians, Jews, um, our Judeo-Christian values. It's the story of Abraham. And you'll know from the Bible when uh, I guess he has this vision and he's told by God to kill Isaac. I've thought about this before. What? What are you talking about? But that was uh, that was his assignment. And um, well, I, I, I hope you know how that story turns out. So a guy named uh, David Helling, who served in the Marine Corps, and actually I was in Iraq at the same time he was. I was a civil. I was a journalist. He was in there as a, as a Marine. We're in Fallujah at the same time. You know, I talk about reading the Bible. Well, guess what? He started reading the Bible while he was in Iraq, and he got deeper and deeper and deeper into it and uh, came back and he made this amazing movie took several years and he turned get this it cost two hundred fifty thousand dollars to make the movie two hundred fifty thousand dollars you know how much it's made so far 12 million in just a few days 12 million dollars hollywood is like hello excuse me and it's an amazing, beautiful story. I think we're going to have the filmmaker on in a little bit. All right, there's the music. Give me a moment, please. Oh, and very important words from the great one, Mark Levin. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, did you see my little uh, thing on Newsmax last night uh, <laughs> on Governor Westmore? Oh, my goodness gracious. What a phony baloney. Hey, by the way, David Helling will be calling in in a moment, Diego. David Helling, the director of that movie we were just talking about, uh, his only son, which is uh, really wowing uh, Hollywood and thrilling audiences all over the place. And I just looked it up. There are theaters to uh, go see a movie in New York City, you can see this movie in New York City. And why the hell not? I have not been to the movie theater. Uh, well, I did see Top Gun last year, and that's it. Uh, before I haven't been to the movie since COVID. One time since COVID. So uh, maybe it's good to get the hell back into the movie theater. Anyway, back to Wes Moore. Oh, boy. I never realized. I mean, I had a I had a hunch that he was a great big phony. Do you know who I'm talking about? He's the brand-new governor of uh, Maryland. And boy, oh boy, I saw his inauguration. They had a 21-gun salute for the governor of Maryland. 
he comes walking in like he's Prince Charles. I mean, are we, it was the inauguration of the president of North America. I mean, not just America, but Canada and Mexico. It was like the emperor's coronation. It was so over the top. And, you know, 15 people talk about what a great guy he is. Then he takes the oath of office and then more people come up and tell, talk about what a great guy he is, including some guy he knew in the army. And then some Oprah gets up and talks about him. I'm like, wow. All right. So this guy's going to really revolutionize things. No, he's not. No, he just looks good in a suit and tries to score cheap political points. Now, you know how bad crime is in in Baltimore, right? I mean, they do TV series about how bad crime is, and it's been that way for a long time. And it conspicuously has not been a priority of uh, Governor Wes Moore. No, this is uh, this is the kind of crap he talks about when it comes to criminal justice issues. You ready? Cut 37, please. Cut 37. We have also seen an unacceptable rate of incarceration for young black men and boys in neighborhoods fearful of both the criminals and also the forces sworn to protect them. See that? See, it sounds good for a moment, but you think about it for another moment, you realize, wait, he's equating cops and criminals on the same level. Cops and criminals. No, the criminals are the bad guys. The cops are the good guys and uh, incarceration. And, you know, when you start talking about young black men and black boys, it's going to shut a lot of people up. All right. A very few people are going to call uh, BS on this. All right. You know, no one's going to pull a sunny and say, hey, why don't you cut the crap? No one goes. No one's going to do that. Uh, you just keep just watch him. Just watch him. And so all of this, um, all of this violence, it continues. Westmore gives a speech in England about the environment. Uh, he goes all over the place talking about stuff other than this. But I noticed he was invited to the weekend talk show this week with George Stephanopoulos, and he went out of his way to stop everything to report this. Cut 36, please. Cut 36. Just last night in Baltimore, we had a 12-year-old murdered with an assault rifle. A 12-year-old. So uh, why did not he? (laughs) Why then? Why then? Just that moment. An assault rifle. By the way, the cops weren't even sure about that. But that just that moment, that moment. Forget about all the other black boys who have been shot and killed with knives, with handguns. No, just the assault weapons. That's the only one. It's the only thing because Democrats are hot on that right now. And by the way, do you know that the uh, the head of the ATF does not even know how to define an assault weapon? <laughs> they caught him in that one. It was really good. All right. I'll get back to that in a second. Uh Andrew and Stanhope, yeah. Hey, what's up, Greg? You're right about the weapons in Chicago. There were 39, approximately, thousand black-on-black shootings. And it's even more because that's the only reported in one year. Over 100 in one weekend. They were all done with illegal handguns. But I just wanted to say, if you bump into Colin Kaepernick at the gym, you told the story, you saw him in the elevator, you have to reach out to him and not like reprimand or debate, but tell him include the black on black crime and see. I don't know if it's going to work, but you you have that friendly Christian attitude. So maybe you could convince him to talk about the black on black crime. Even on ESPN, they kind of switched and they started talking about Chicago and the black on black shootings. Uh, what you're suggesting I talk to uh, Colin Kaepernick about what again? Well, I was disappointed because you told the story that you were at the gym in New York and 
you bumped into Colin Kaepernick on the elevator. I did, I did, and he, I did. And I told you, I was like thrilled to meet the guy. It was very weird. It was a very weird reaction that I had. I don't go to that gym anymore. It was Chelsea Piers, and you have to like go a half mile, like a mile. It's too far west. But I was thrilled to meet uh, Colin Kaepernick, even though I disagree with him on on everything. And uh, I was like, wow, hey, you're Colin Kaepernick. How's it going? Yeah, wow, 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 wow. I just met Colin Kaepernick. And um, that's uh, that's weird. It's weird how we react to celebrities. It's weird. I noticed that very few people are open-minded out there. And maybe I'm not even open-minded on some of these issues, all right? I mean, I'm not open-minded on on issues of gender, okay? There's man and there's woman, okay? And children should not be messing around with that stuff until they're adults. I mean, I'm I'm not open-minded on these issues. Uh, you know? I, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if that would be a productive conversation. I don't know. But, Andrew, great point. Thank you. Uh, let's do one more. Sandra, Sandra, welcome back. Good afternoon, Greg. Uh, you know, I wanted to say, you know, good news for Trump. He got five very nice endorsements. One in particular, Greg Stubbe. Uh He's like the uh, Republican in Florida for the uh, west part of Florida. He said something so nice. He said, I'm happy and proud to honor Donald Trump. He's the only person that can reverse on day one, all those disastrous policies of the Biden administration. Stubby said this, yeah. right? Stubby? Stubby, yes. Stubby, Greg Stubby. So he he said, said it on the Rob Schmidt show, which is on at seven o'clock on Newsmax. Stick around and watch my show at 10 o'clock. Yeah, I know. I saw him say that. Stubby shaved his beard. He's, uh, look, nobody likes DeSantis. Um, I mean, in, in politics, the donors don't like him. Uh, Republican lawmakers don't like him in Florida. One of the reasons apparently is, um, well, look, he's just not a nice guy. He's just not a nice guy. And there are certain things you got to be a nice guy. You got to slap people on the back a little bit in politics. If you're going to come up the way Ron wants to come up, career politician, you got to schmooze a little bit. And he's not good at any of that stuff. That, that, that doesn't mean Trump has to be the same way. Trump could come in from the outside, come in like a battering ram, blow it all up. Uh, he didn't have to work his way up. Ron is working his way up, and he doesn't know how to do it. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, Greg Stubbe, Republican of Florida, endorsed, and all kinds of members of Congress are endorsing Trump. Trump is running away with the nomination, just like I predicted last summer. I said, DeSantis, Ron, it's not your time. Hold your horses and work on your skills. He's not that good. He's not. It's very, uh, what, what do they say? It's a glass jaw. Anyway. You agree, right, Sandra? Oh, I wanted to say also he made his second, um, you know, thing for Disneyland, like his second attempt to ban what they want to do. And that the same night they go and do their Pride Night Parade, like they're not even afraid of him. And then I wanted to say one more thing. With Saturday Night Live, that, that trans, you know, person making jokes that we're the people that are harming our children – I want to make a prediction because I think Dylan Mulvaney will become the, one of the hosts one of these days. Do you think so? You know, you, <laughs> you're, you're right about that. But the non-binary character, remember SNL used to be great. Where's that non-binary person? I, I ran, they have a new non-binary, whatever that means. I don't know what it means. Uh, where was that non-binary person? I had it in the show last night. Cut, uh, cut. Oh, here we go. Uh, her name is Molly Kearney. And he's non-binary. She's non-binary. What the hell is non-binary? But 
This is Saturday Night Live. They used to make fun of everything. They used to make fun of the absurdities of life, and so much of that's going on is absurd. Instead, they go with the absurd. Cut 29, please. Cut 29. This is the Weekend Update. Remember Weekend Update with uh, Jane Curtin and Dan Aykroyd? Remember when it used to kick ass? And now it's this. Cut 29. As of this week, <laughs> there are now over 14 states that have passed bills restricting health care for trans kids. Listen to that, Michael. Yeah. Restricting health care for kids. For some reason, there's something about the word trans that makes people forget the word kids. If you don't care about trans kids' lives, it means you don't care about freaking kids' lives. Wow, wow. Woo! Where do they get these people to hoop and holler at all this crap? <laughs> Woo! What? What did she say? If you don't, what, what don't we, t- what did she say? I just got quote, I still don't, one more time, one more time. As of this week, <laughs> there are now over 14 states that have passed bills restricting health care for trans kids. Listen to that, Michael. Yeah. Restricting health care for kids. For some reason, there's something about the word trans that makes people forget the word kids. If you don't care about trans kids' lives, it means you don't care about freaking kids' lives. Uh, gotcha. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, you you interesting person. Molly, whatever, lecturing all of us. Yeah, right. Uh, on network television. This is not This is not the Playboy channel. This is not uh, Robin. What's her name? She's actually a piece of work. I love her. What's that woman's name? Robin. You know, the Rob, Robin Bird. The Robin Bird Show. Remember the Robin Bird Show? This is not the Robin Bird Show. This is Saturday Night Live, which is owned NBC, Comcast, GE. These, This is like the blue chip corporate America stuff. And uh, we don't care about trans kids. Yeah, we, we care about kids. I don't really care what their gender is. I do care about them, and I think that they are being corrupted and exploited and all these weirdo drag queens who want to hang around children. Hey, I like weirdo drag queens as an adult, all right? You, you Game on, all right? 18 plus. I'm down to get down. Not really, but, you know, and back in the day, back in the day, you know, what? Who cares? But why are you hanging around the kids? The attorney general of New York State went to a an event, an auditorium where there were children and men dressed as women, and they were reading books. How do you get to kids? How would you get to kids? What are there? What did John Wayne Gacy do? That remember that predator in the Midwest? You know what he did? He put a clown suit on and he read kids' books to him. And then he ate them. No kidding. Chopped them up in his. He raped them and then he ate them. John Wayne Gacy. And he wore a clown suit. And you look at that suit. You know what? That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show that. Because you can't see that. You can't see what I see in my head right now. But I know this picture exists. John Wayne Gacy, one of the most notorious murderers in human history, preyed on children, hundreds of them perhaps. And he wore a clown suit to kids' birthday parties. That's how he won them over. John Wayne Gacy. And then he raped children before killing them. And that was his M.O. So, um, and that's close enough. You can say, well, that, 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 that's not related. That doesn't mean, yes, yeah, it's actually a little bit too related. It's too, too close, too close. Don't you think? Really? Oh, man. Um, what else is going on? I have, uh, oh, let's just do this a little bit more on Westmore. You got to understand everybody. They want this guy to be the president. He shouldn't be because, well, he's, 
Look, he's following Barack Obama's playbook. All right. It's all about him. And this is this is the message. It's just his story. Ready? Cut 38, please. Cut 38. Governor Wes Moore talking about his favorite subject, Wes Moore. I was raised by patriots because I was raised by school teachers. I was raised by ministers. I was raised by operating engineers. I was raised by people who built this country with their hands. When I first came up to the Bronx when I was about six years old, because a couple years before that, my father died. You know, I I first felt handcuffs on my wrists when I was 11 years old. In my case, I'm sitting there in the back of a police car with my friend, and then eventually after you know, a, a, a talk and a lecture, uh, the officer pulls me out of the car, unlocks the cuffs, and lets me go. I didn't join the Army because I had a lust or a need to go overseas and fight. Frankly, I joined the Army because college is really damn expensive, and they were going to help with that. Oh, wow, isn't that charming? Hmm, wow, isn't that, isn't that something? It's not. It's a scam. It's a total scam. Uh, it doesn't matter, all right? Everybody has a story. What can you do for us? And when it comes to Wes Moore, not much. Not much. He can look great. He can, uh, wow, wow, that guy's got a lot of energy. It's it's right out of the Obama playbook, all right? And I can understand. Obama's become a billionaire off of a fantasy. So it inspired a lot of other people to try to try the same thing all over again. Fortunately, Trump showed up, and he inspired uh, a lot of people as well. Develop some skills, employ people. You know, he could, he was one presidential candidate. Let's go back. That he could actually stand up and say, I've employed thousands, I've hired thousands of people. I built an incredible business. Yeah, thousands of people. How many people can say that who've run for president, right? I mean, let's see. Uh, Obama certainly couldn't say that. Uh, George W. Bush, no. Uh, not at all. What, what, what was his big claim to fame? Get back to me on that. Uh, Bill Clinton, uh, well, I, yeah, look, I, I, I employed, uh, thousands of people, uh, in the governor's office. Grant, yeah, I know they would have been there anyway, but I had, I had political appointees. I had plenty of political appointees. Yeah, shut up. You don't count either. All right. Who was before Bill Clinton? George H.W. H.W. Thousand points of light. Uh, he was not a, he was not a killer in the, in the, in, no, no, he didn't, uh, he didn't employ thousands of people. It wasn't. Now that brings me to Ronald Reagan. Well, um, now I love Reagan and he didn't portray himself as, um, look, I give him a pass. He was, he was a philosopher. He was a philosopher and he was the philosopher we needed. And he wasn't a career politician. You know how old he was when he became governor of, uh, California? Neither do I. <laughs> But it was older. Let me see. I'll figure it out right now. He was 69 when he became president. That was in 1981. He became governor in 1966. So that's 69 minus uh, 15. That makes him 69 minus 15. What is the math on that? (laughs) 50-something. 56. 56? 56, I hope. Not a career politician. Like me, if I ever get into that racket, um, it'll be to break up the racket. And... um, I'll actually be a little bit younger than Ronald Reagan if I do it. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, the cops have a great expression. 
uh, for certain officers who don't like to uh, arrest people, okay, who are not really into the job that much. They call them the, the house mouse. Oh, that guy's a house mouse, doesn't want to leave the station house, doesn't want to go out and do the job. House mouse. And we've got a lot of house mice, actually. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, Eric Adams, classic house mouse. Okay. You got to ask Eric about any arrest that he made in his, uh, storied career. Uh, that would be a very, uh, that would be a very short conversation. Uh, we're also saying goodbye to Pat Lynch. Uh, I guess he's stepping down at the Patrolman's Benevolent Association. Now, yeah, let's face it. He's a house mouse. And, uh, I think that he did, he, the, the New York City Police Department basically disintegrated, uh, uh, while he had a big leadership position and could have done more to save it. Um, went all in essentially with de Blasio. Yeah, I know he, uh, he mouthed off strategically occasionally. Uh, but he was always, he had one eye on, you know, what was in it for Pat Lynch, you know, and, uh, they destroyed the police department. They destroyed it. And there he is. I, I've not seen him. He was not the most vocal critic of Eric Adams. He kind of just let this crap happen, right? Pat Lynch, Pat Lynch, Lynch. Who's going to be next? Who's going to be next? Let me know. Any cops out there? A house mouse. I know a few of them, and I also know a lot of more heroes. And, uh, you know, we had the same thing in the in the military. We called them seagulls, uh, guys who loved being pilots, loved wearing the flight suit, loved the prestige of it, but didn't actually like the flying part. <laughs> We call them seagulls because you had to throw rocks at them to make them go flying. Huh? Isn't that great? Hey, just a reminder, as I saw over the weekend, MSNBC, Al Sharpton has a, has a TV show. Al Sharpton has a TV show on MSNBC. Poor Brian Williams, right? The, the greatest broadcaster ever assembled by God. I know he laid it on a little bit thick a couple of times, but, uh, and he's a lefty loon too, but like everybody else, uh, he doesn't work at MSNBC anymore, but Al Sharpton does. Here's Reverend Al. Let it rip, Al. Cut 41. Yeah. I would love to use love, but if I've got to use hate, I'll deal with my hand calls for. Yeah, that's a you know the first part was him talking about killing cops, and and and, and faulting people for not having the courage to kill cops. Uh, I'm not saying the guy should be canceled, but the guy should definitely be canceled. Okay. Uh, Farrakhan wasn't he Farrakhan's man in New York City, right? Minister Farrakhan, who's still, you know, doing his thing, pushing that hate. As long as you hate the right people in America, you're going to be okay. If you hate the Jews, apparently that's okay. It's disgusting. You, Reverend Al, how did you pull off this scam? Boy, you should, you should, you should, you you could teach a course on that, right? To criminals all over the place sitting pretty on MSNBC. Poor Brian Williams, huh? He must be, he must be beside himself. Good luck, Brian. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, everybody. I have some sad news. Um, you've heard me talk about the Charles Stanley Life Principles Bible. Uh, it's the traditional Bible, but a few footnotes uh, from Dr. Charles Frazier Stanley and uh, an amazing pastor and minister. Uh, just moments ago, I've been informed that he is uh, he's dead at the age of 90, uh, died peacefully, 
in his uh, in his home this morning, and uh, Dr. Charles Stanley, ninety years old, uh, head of In Touch Ministries. Uh, wow, that is something. That is something, and um, focus on all the joy and the gateway to everything that uh, the Bible provided me. And he was a big coach. He was a big part of that, quite frankly, because you know I'd been there before, and I opened the the drawer and look at the Bible and I got confused in moments and put it away and that kind of thing. But, um, someone gave me the Charles Stanley life principles Bible in 2012. And about four years later, I started reading it and then, Oh boy, everything started to happen. And I realized God is real. Jesus is his son. He wants the best for me. He needs, wants me to live my best life. And it started this, um, this amazing conversation with God and uh, I'd be eternally grateful to uh, Dr. Stanley, Dr. Charles Stanley. And something happened. I would mention this from time to time on the Newsmax show. And I, uh, from time to time, I would actually put up a picture of the Charles Stanley Life Principles Bible. And I talked a little bit about what it gave me. And I, you know, wasn't hitting people over the head with it. I would do it at the end of the show and not 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 do it too much. Look, it's a political talk show. It's not a... You know, it's not a church service. So I have my role, but I wanted people to know where I was coming from and who I am. And and I wanted to, quite frankly, share the joy and spread the word. And word got back to Charles Stanley that I was doing this. And uh, they reached out and uh, we had a wonderful meeting, uh, Dr. Stanley and I, in Atlanta, Georgia, a little over a year ago. Um, I had a nice two-hour conversation with him and I had a few questions, uh, you know, that I thought he could help me, and he did. And uh, he was an amazing uh, teacher and friend. And uh, so, so sad to report that he's gone because, quite frankly, you know, and this is this is an irritant. This is not the main thing I'm feeling right now. Mostly, I'm feeling gratitude uh, for having uh, known him, for being, for finding that Bible. And reading it and his uh, encouraging words and the assistance that he provided and how he had a key role in getting me closer to God. Um, but of course, you know, you, you kick yourself and I was always going to write, I got to write him a letter. I got to write him a letter and I can't just write that letter. I got to write it on the perfect stationery and I got to, all right, no, no, I, no, I got to send him a book and I got to, no, and what do they say? The perfect is the enemy of the good. And I would just, uh, anyway, there was a couple of things I wish I had, uh, I uh, I was in touch, but I wish I was I should have been in touch more, and that's kind of uh, eating at me a little bit. But but the the and I got to apply that to other areas because procrastination, you know, <laughs> procrastination is a road that leads to a town called nowhere. You know, um, Doctor Stanley. Mm. Mm. Sorry to sorry to hear this. Sorry to hear this. Um. All right. One thing I do remember, and it, it comes to me a lot, it comes to me a lot that uh, in life we can enjoy ourselves, right? And we're supposed to enjoy ourselves. We're, there's so much to enjoy, and this earth is a magnificent place. One of the things he did, he'd go out on um, adventures out west and take pictures of, of animals, of wildlife, especially eagles, and he explained to me, like, when you look at an eagle, that's God's pure creation. You know, a building is fantastic, but man had a lot to do with that. An eagle, a bird, nature, that that's direct from God, okay? That's God's, that God did that. 
and he would take these amazing photographs. Anyway, one time uh, he's told the story of about how he and his friend were enjoying themselves and uh, they were on a raft and they were in a little stream and then the stream became a little bit bigger and then it was more like a creek and then it became a river and then there were waterfalls and then the current got totally out of control. And then his friend told him, I can't swim. And they were done for. I mean, they were in very serious trouble. And he tells the story about, look, uh, I probably, I, there are two things, there are three things that I shouldn't have been doing. Number one, I shouldn't have been in that part of town. I had other things to do. But I got in the raft and we were having fun. And, uh, you know, you can just have a little bit of fun. I'm going to have a little bit of fun here. And um, those little mistakes can l- turn out to be huge catastrophes in our lives. Look, I'm not doing it nearly the justice or him the justice that he deserves here at this moment. Um, I will encourage those, though, who were on the fence like me. Maybe you're an atheist or maybe you are uh, you think that. You know all that God stuff, you know, or maybe you were a member of a church and somebody in that church let you down and so you turn your back on the entire church. Well, don't make that mistake. Uh, don't let some man, some person turn you off from the greatest force in the universe, the, the who created the universe, God, who knows everything about you, who knows all the mistakes you've made, who knows your heart, who knows what you're thinking right now, and uh, he, even with all of that knowledge, still loves you and wants to uh, make the best life possible for you. Um, and the way to get... That the way to start this conversation is through the Bible, and uh, the the Doctor Charles Stanley Life Principles Bible. Again, it's the traditional Bible. I don't want to overstate his role in it. Okay, there's a couple of, and actually, I still read it, and I find myself reading his essays less and less because I understand the word more and more, and I'm more confident. And that's just the way Doctor Stanley would like it. Um, you know, one time, I anyway, it's just a. Uh, well, I am, I'm really, you know, I'm grateful to my wife too, because she made the arrangements, you know, it's, oh, it's hard to, I had no business in, in, in Atlanta, you know, I had a whole bunch of things going on yet. She booked me a flight, uh, and got me to see him. And it was, I have a beautiful picture actually that I guess I should post. And the important thing is though, uh, to anybody who's interested, uh, the, the Bible is the way to go. And I would never in a million years dream that I'd be on the radio sharing these thoughts and saying the things that I've said and revealing uh, the mistakes that I've made. Um, but quite frankly, nobody can hurt me. Okay. Nobody, nobody can hurt me. And yes, you can, uh, you can fire me. You can cancel me. You can do all that stuff, but you can't hurt me. And that strength, that confidence, I, 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 it comes from God and His Son Jesus, and uh, the Bible is the way. Doctor Charles Stanley, dead at the age of uh, ninety. Thank you. Uh, total privilege to know you, sir. And um, I know. Let me read from In Touch Ministries right here. In Touch Family, this morning, God called our beloved pastor, Dr. Charles Stanley, home to heaven. Doctor Stanley lived a life of obedience and is now receiving the joy of his soul seeing his Savior face-to-face. Please join us in praying for the Stanley family. Yeah, he's got a son named Andy, Andy Stanley, and uh, this guys he's a real, he's great. He's a minister as well. His style is a little bit different from 
his father's, and and that came up a lot in the sermons, and uh, they've talked about it in podcasts, that there was some friction growing up. Even these men of faith, these ministers, I've been told that Satan really, really makes a play for the for the families of ministers because, well, you know, he's, Satan's bad, and uh, he knows that how good and how powerful that these people they can change lives. And anyway, I hope Andy is doing well this morning. And um, oh boy, I'm seeing it from all across the internet. A lot of people know him, love him, and uh, oh, what a privilege! What a privilege! Barbara called. All right, Barbara, you're my first call. Thank you very much. You and you, you know all about uh, Doctor Stanley. How are you? I'm just fine, and I'm hearing this magnificent tribute you're giving to Dr. Stanley. And I'm sure that as he is in heaven, he's also hearing the words of those that he has taught and influenced in this earth. And that apparently was his work for many, many, many years. And there's nothing that can make a true teacher and a true lover of God and man happier than to bring those two together in a fruitful relationship which you're demonstrating very much to all of us. Well, I hope so. I hope so. Uh, thank you, Barbara, very, very much. You know, uh, I didn't realize that he was on television. He's on television all the time. I, I knew the book. I knew the Bible before. He's one of those TV ministers. He's on a little bit earlier than Joel Osteen. And I like Joel, too. Joel, I said, was a bit of a, like for me, a bit of a starter kit, you know? And when he came out there and said, you need to honor God, and he didn't hit you over the head with it, but it was honoring God and we know what that entails and that entails for me it entailed a lot and it entailed me not doing some of the things that I uh I like to do or at least I thought I liked to do it so anyway Barbara uh how's everything else going what should we be looking for what's on your mind otherwise Everything's going well. I'm, I'm welcoming my new artificial knee and getting used to using that. It's now 10 days with me. And, uh, so that's going well. But, um, getting back to Dr. Stanley for a minute, how appropriate is it that he should pass away and be brought to our attention on the day when the Supreme Court is hearing such an important case that has to do with religious freedom? Tell us and more about that. that. Tell us more about that. Yes, and, and I saw it on your show the other night where Gerald Groff, an uh, evangelical yeah. Christian who works for the post office or did in Pennsylvania for many years, and he believes in keeping the Sabbath holy for his family and his faith. And he joined the post office back when they didn't deliver on Sundays, so his Sabbath was secure. Well, when they started delivering on Sundays, he right away applied and received an exemption from his supervisor that he would not have to deliver mail on Sunday. Now, he all along offered to do extra shifts. He didn't really want to put extra work on any of his fellow workers, but this was his deeply held religious conviction. So for a while, they honored their commitment to him, but then they stopped and they started assigning him to uh, work on Sundays. And of course, he still explained to them that he could not do that. And anyway, one thing led to another, and he resigned and now is in front of the Supreme Court trying to help us sort out in this country what our founders wanted. They wanted religion and God to be welcome in this country. They didn't want it to be an afterthought or something that maybe we were allowed to have. Um, 
Samuel Adams said, the sum of all is, if we would most truly enjoy the gift of heaven, let us become a virtuous people. And Thomas Jefferson said that believing with you, religion is a matter that lies solely between man and his God. He went on to say that there is a wall of separation between church and state, and that wall separates protects religion and the worship of of your conscience and the freedom of your conscience, it does not protect the state. And Reverend Samuel Landon, another founder, said, preserve your government with with the utmost attention and solicitude, for it is the remarkable gift of heaven. And one last one, Benjamin Franklin, at the start of the Constitutional Convention, said, In the beginning of the contest with Great Britain, we had daily prayer in this room for the divine protection. Our prayers, sir, were heard, and they were graciously answered. So our founders certainly intended religious freedom and freedom of conscience to be respected throughout this nation that they were founding based on natural rights from our Creator. Very beautiful. Oh, Barbara, thank you. So glad you called today. And uh, amazing wisdom as usual. And I forgot about that. Yes, he's going. The, the case is before the Supreme Court. My goodness gracious. The U.S. Postal Service, not even open on Sundays, couldn't cut the mail carrier a little bit of slack and give him Sunday off so could he, he could observe uh, his religious faith, practice his religious faith. Uh, just terrible. But uh, amazing things are happening. Amazing things. Barbara, thank you. Carmine and the rest, I appreciate it. We'll be with you soon, and I'll be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, oh, what is the definition of an assault weapon? What is the definition of an assault weapon? Well, wouldn't you think that the director of the uh, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms should know that, ATF? <laughs> yes, the director of the Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms uh, Unit of the federal government should know that. It should be easy, should be second nature, uh, but it's not. Here's the nominee for confirmation, and uh, one of the members of Congress asked him a pretty simple question. You ready for this? Go ahead. Yes, please. The gun owner uh, of many different types and a, and a 20-year military veteran. I have some expertise in weaponry uh, and self-defense weapons. What could you, in 15 seconds, would you define an assault weapon for me? So, so if as, you go after 15 seconds, I'll just interrupt you. Yeah, so. so so I'll go shorter than that because I, I honestly, I do think that's a, if Congress wishes to take that up, I think Congress would have to do the work. But we would be there to provide technical assistance. I, unlike you, I'm not a firearms expert to the same extent as you may be, but we have people at ATF who can talk about uh, uh velocity of firearms, what damage different kinds of firearms cause. So that whatever determination you you chose to make would be an informed the gun owner. All right, so he doesn't know what he's talking about, right? And most people who would throw out the term assault weapon, they just don't know. 
And you know what? <laughs> the whole term is very, it's kind of nebulous, I'll admit. It's a little bit nebulous and misleading. But basically, they're getting at machine guns, all right? That's what they think of. All right, you pull the trigger and a bunch of bullets come out. Um, but that's not an AR-15. And that's our favorite weapon, basically, all right? That's not an AR-15. That's not how it works. And by the way, I mean, if you point a weapon, any weapon, it could be a a little small pistol, right? A little small, like a, the smallest pistol with the little tiniest bullets. You could kill somebody with it. I mean, all weapons potentially are an assault weapon, right? You can assault somebody. You can kill somebody. Um, but they're talking about basically machine guns and 99.9% of the guns out there, I mean, are semi-automatic, uh, where you have to pull the trigger for each bullet to come out. All right. And they, they haven't really been able to thread the needle on that one. Can you imagine wanting to be the head of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and not know the basics of, of, of firearms? I mean, I mean, then again, I guess you don't have to be a cigarette smoker to be the head of the ATF and you don't have to be a drinker. Uh, but the firearms thing, I think you got to know how to shoot, don't you? Uh, hey, you know who used to be the head of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms? No kidding. Ray Kelly. Yes. Ray Kelly was the undersecretary. My dad, Ray Kelly, former police commissioner, longest serving police commissioner in New York City uh, history, was the head of the ATF. And he was also the head of the Customs and the Secret Service. The Secret Service, the ATF, and the Customs Department, they all reported to him as Undersecretary of the Treasury. Kind of interesting. And I told him a piece of news about the job he had, and you didn't know it, that his job was formed after the assassination of JFK. It was one of the recommendations of the Warren Commission. They said, we need more supervision of the Secret Service. We need a high-level political appointee. So they came up with the Assistant Secretary of the Treasury, and then they bumped him up to Undersecretary. Undersecretary is more important than Assistant Secretary, believe it or not. Undersecretary, Deputy Secretary, Deputy Undersecretaries. It's a whole weird world down there. Anyway, just a little tidbit. I'll be back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Okay, back, I'm back, I'm back, hi. All right, um, yeah, this is something I'm going to remember. Uh, the whole the whole experience, the whole experience with uh, Dr. Charles Stanley. Wow, well, it's all coming back to me. It's been about 11 years now, 11 years of this, when I was first uh, offered the book and and I, I kind of blew it off. And uh, six years later, and anyway, you know the rest of the story, but I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful to the person who gave me the Charles Stanley Life Principles Bible. Um, I'm very grateful that I finally got to read it. And Charles Stanley, those little essays and footnotes. And uh, now, quite frankly, I don't need them anymore. It's like they were like the training wheels, you know, and uh, you need it's almost like getting it to shape. It's like getting it to shape. And it's a it's a gradual process. Is our guest on the phone? No? Oh, okay. We're working on our guest. He is a little bit hard to find. That's okay. He just made an amazing movie about, well, God. It's called uh, His Only Son. And this is a great excuse to get back into the movie theater where I have not been since Top Gun, uh, Tom Cruise. That was in May. It was Memorial Day weekend of 2022. 
And that was a treat. I actually said I liked the movie more than I did because I thought it was important to get people into the movie theater. You know, uh, Top uh, Top Gun, uh, Feel Good, America's Great, all that stuff. And Tom Cruise, I think, actually deserved a lot of credit for putting that all together. He he really did. It was he's an interesting guy. Hey, something else about Tom Cruise. You know, they all made fun of him when he was jumping up and down on the couch yelling at Matt Lauer. Remember that? And he's like, Matt, 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 you don't know what you're talking about. And they got into some sort of debate about psychotropic drugs. And I don't know if it was a custody situation, but Matt Lauer was like, hey, we shouldn't be taking all these drugs. Children should not be taking all these drugs for the brain. And it's it's hurting them and it's screwing them up. And he said, diet and exercise, those things are being overlooked. And you know what? He's damn, he's totally right. Totally right. Uh, I'm exercising now like I haven't exercised since I think I was in. I didn't even exercise when I was in the Marine Corps, to be honest. I didn't exercise for health. I exercised to get ready for some ludicrous physical task I had to do. We had the nine-mile battle fitness test. Nine miles. Nine miles with full gear on, and you run, and then you you meet some obstacle you have to navigate. It was terrible. And I, I ran to pass that, but I did not run or exercise for my health. And now I'm doing that. And I'm feeling very, very, very healthy. I'm being very. I, I feel. I feel fantastic, actually. Joe in Mount Sinai. What's the problem? Yeah. Hello, Craig. Uh, you were talking about Saturday Night Live. It's always been lame. No, it hasn't. It was lame the first. Yes, it has. No, it hasn't. It used to. No, you're wrong about that, Joe. It used to be great from 1975 to about 1995. It was fantastic, and it was a. It was a show, and it was where we all congregated, and I loved it. I actually, I absolutely loved it. And then uh, there's a slow decline, and now it's totally woke, and it is a place to go and see where the culture is, where corporate America is. That That's what it reflects. I disagree with you. It was not always lame. It was actually a glorious program for a long time. <laughs> they used to goof on, on Gerald Ford. They used to goof on Republicans. It's like the no, 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 no. You know what they goofed? No, no, no. Joe, you're wrong. They goofed on presidents, okay? They goofed on Jimmy Carter. Do you remember when they goofed on him? They goofed on Bill Clinton, too. They goofed on everybody. They goofed on, and that was what comedy was for, right? You know, a little bit of a a pushback against the establishment, all of it, right? All of it. That's what, now they are the establishment, right? These these people are exerting power. Joe, I think you're looking uh, at this with uh you know, with you, you, with a bit of prejudice, they used to goof on Gerald Ford. Who didn't? All right. It is kind of interesting, though. Gerald Ford slips and falls once. Okay. Slips and falls with once and became a laughing stock, a laughing stock because he slipped it. This guy was a champion football player for Yale University. He was so good. He thought about the pros and he was also a coach for the Yale football team for a while. And uh, what else about him? What else about him? Anyway, he was a very um, physically, he was probably the best athlete president we ever had. And he took us tumble once on a wet tarmac. The stairs were wet. What's Joe Biden's excuse? He doesn't have any, none. Excuse me. Carmine, hello. Hey, man. Yeah, hey, thanks for your message. Yeah, Charles Stanley. Are you at the beach? I'm at Jones Beach looking at the waves right now. Yeah, good for you. Good for you. Uh, Tuesday uh, Tuesday afternoon, you're at the beach. Good for you. Well, you know, I feel like I've been sucker punched right now, and time is standing still. Why? With the passing of, with the passing of Dr. Stanley, Greg. You know, 
when I met you at the America's First Warehouse, I said to you, there's only one other person in this world that would make me wait online to get an autograph. And I told you it was Dr. Charles Stanley. And, you know, a lot of, you know, the fact that you hear you say Charles Stanley dead at 90 is just takes my breath away. I want to give you listeners some facts about Charles. He was, he was an only child. His mother uh, gave birth to him. His father died when he was nine months old and she remained, remained unmarried and raised him. They were poor. Yet his clothes were always clean, and she always gave him Christian Christian values. And after she did remarry when he was a teenager, and he did not like his stepdad to the point of hatred. And he talks about having to repent, and decades later having to repent to him. And um, after almost sixty years of him being gone, his mother, as an old woman, would still say to him, "Charles, why would God take my husband away from me?" Why would God do that to us, Charles? We, you were just a nine-month-old baby, and we were so in love. Can you just explain that to me, Charles? And he used to say, I can't, Mom. I don't know the answer. But right now, they're, they're reunited, all three of them. <laughs> Greg. All right, Carmine. It's all, it's all beautiful. Come, come on, man. It's going to be great. Look, he was 90 years old. That's an amazing life. Amazing. Amazing. What was he? He's got, everybody's got to die someday. Can you imagine the success, the impact he had in your life, my life, his mom's life, everybody? 90 years old and he died in his sleep. This is the ultimate success story. This is what we all want. So don't cry. Come on. Do not cry about this. All right. I know it, it's, it, we got to absorb it and we got to celebrate it and we got to spread the word. All right. I don't want you to get down on the dumps. Come on. Come on. I'll be all right. Just hearing you and Barbara is, is calming me down. And listen, my mom is 90, and I want her to be around for more years, you know. But, you know, great. Uh, but Charles was like a family member. He's, like you said, relying on his messages and his Bible and, and, and his word. And it, it, I listened to him every day for years, day and night. I sleep through the night listening to In Touch app on, on, online. And it's just. Uh, it's going to sink in, and it just needs time. I was just thinking about him the other day, and, and I said, oh, gosh, I hope he's okay. And uh, here it is. It's a reality, and I'm happy I could share it with you, of course, my brother in the Lord. And uh, and I thank you for being brave and just marching on trying to get through this tough program, Greg. Thank All right. you. All right. Well, thank you, Carmine. Thanks so much for your kind words. Hey, uh is it really cold at the beach? What's it like there? Are you the only one there? What's the situation at Jones Beach right now? Let me get out of the. Let me get out. Let me get out. What do you mean, uh, get out? Oh, do you, oh, get out of the water? Oh, you're. No, I'm uh, sitting in the car. I haven't gotten out. I'm, I'm, my legs. Are, I, I can't even. I'm so shaking right. right now. All right, now it's all but, windy. Uh, all right, we get the picture. Is it? Is it crowded? It's not crowded, right? You're the only one no, there. It's not crowded. No, no. There's a few people. There's about forty cars here, but it's not crowded. There's a lot of older, a lot of senior citizens, but nothing to do walking the boardwalk. All right, enjoy, <laughs> enjoy, Carmine. Thank you so much. Hey, speaking of which, Jones Beach, Pete Buttigieg Edge is out there unfairly calling uh, Robert Moses, who basically designed New York, right? Robert Moses, the great Robert Moses. He's out there calling Robert Moses a racist. All right, this is a this is the gr- great big misread of uh, of Robert Moses. Now, Robert Caro wrote a great book about Robert Moses. Now, it's a great book. That doesn't mean everything in the book is right. 
All right, and and then Caro gave uh, gave Moses a really hard time, uh, but people read the book and they pretend that's the Bible. It's not the Bible. All right, there are mistakes in any book written by man, and uh, and listen to Pete Buttigieg when he's talking about racism built into the roads. He's talking about Robert Moses. Robert Moses made Jones Beach. Cut forty. We've got a crisis when it comes to roadway fatalities in America. We lose about forty thousand people every year it's a level that's comparable to gun violence and we see a lot of racial disparities black and brown americans tribal citizens and rural residents much more likely to lose their lives whether it's in a car or as a pedestrian being hit by a car there are a lot of reasons uh, related to discrimination related to uh, the, even the ways that roads are designed and built who has access to uh, a safe street design uh, you hear that part? That's a dig at Moses. That's a dig at Moses. And you know what they're going to spend? You know how much money they're going to spend uh, on the Cross Bronx Expressway <laughs> because of this fantasy that it's a racist roadway? Uh, and some people were inconvenienced when it was constructed in 19... When the hell was the Cross Bronx Expressway made? It was a long time ago, all right? It was like 19... I think it's 1950s, actually. Uh, get over it. We're going to make that into a tunnel now. They're going to put parkland on top of it. It is a joke. It is a boondoggle. Hey, oh, by the way, I'm getting all kinds of text messages from Gerald Ford fans. Gerald Ford went to Michigan. Well, uh, actually, uh, yes, he went to Michigan undergrad, <clears throat> excuse me, but he went to Yale Law School where he was a coach of the Yale football team. Did you know that one? I bet you didn't. Uh, yeah. All right. So I got to get my act together for tonight's show. What is on the agenda? I think I'm going to have to go deep into the enemy of the people, uh, how the media are just intent. They want to create a race war in America. That is their objective. What is the explanation? Why would they magnify this horrible tragedy, oh, by the way, of this young uh, kid in Kansas City being shot by that guy, that 85-year-old man, who knows exactly what happened? We don't know yet, but everyone's jumped to conclusions and said that this is a racist attack against a young black man. What do they say? It's a he rang a doorbell while being black. I remember that. When they remember when they came up with that one, driving while black, walking while black, shopping while black. It was very provocative when they came up with it. What what about being a white woman? What about doing anything as a white woman, huh? Karening, Karening. A young woman drove up a driveway, the wrong driveway, and uh, some guy shot her. Some white man shot her, and this is like this is this is no nobody can nobody can exploit that one. So it's fading away very very quickly. Oh, Mark Levin, the great one. Uh, a caller brought this to my attention that certain car companies are taking the AM radios out of uh, out of their vehicles, out of the the new vehicles. No more AM radios. We've got a. Here's Mark Levin on that. Mark Levin heard on this station every night from 6 to 9 p.m. The great one, Mark Levin. Cut 24, please. Ford is the latest manufacturer that says the future production of cars will not include the AM platform, Mr. Producer. You saw that, right? BMW has said it. Others have said it because it interferes with something or other. They finally figured out how to attack conservative talk radio, Mr. Producer. Let me be the first one to say it. Right at the manufacturer level. Rather than going after us through the FCC, rather than going after us through legislation, rather than going after us through boycotting advertisers and all the rest, just don't make AM stations available in automobiles anymore. 
because not all, but most conservative talk shows are on the AM band. That doesn't mean you won't have alternatives, of course. There are many alternatives, but that's not my point. This idea that all of a sudden you're going to remove the AM band from cars, that's aimed at people like me to prevent people like you from just turning on your radio as you drive in your, your own local area or general area and listen to the station. Wow, that's tr- I can't believe it, right? How can this be happening? How did corporate America get so woke? The Ford F-150 is not going to have AM radio in it. And, of course, who dominates AM radio? Conservative. Conservative talk radio dominates uh, AM. You know, uh, liberals can't do it. They can't pull off. They can't pull it off. One of the reasons is, uh, well, liberals tend to congregate in cities. Uh, conservatives uh, tend to live outside of cities. And you do a lot more driving when you're outside of a city. Uh, therefore, you may listen to a lot more talk radio and uh Hey, they can't, they can't beat us, so they try to cancel us, right? Taking the AM radio out of Ford. My gosh, that is just crazy. Now, of course, you can download apps and you can, I listen to, I listen to most radio actually on my phone. I do. Even when I'm driving, actually. Um, in part because my dashboard situation has gotten so complex. It's gotten ridiculously complex. Just to change the radio station is too much, too much. I uh I just might have to buy I may have to go retro when it comes to the cars. Even my the speedometer is no longer a speedometer. It's a digital recreation. It's like looking at your iWatch when you're driving, you know? All right. I do have to take a quick break. Many thanks. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, they're gearing up for the Georgia case against Trump, followed by the E. Jean Carroll uh, fake rape case against Trump. Um, this is just uh, this is just uh, it just rolls off. It, it just all evaporates. It's not going to make a difference. Yeah, justices hearing the oral arguments in Groff versus DeJoy. Barbara was telling us about that. Uh, the United States Postal Service could not figure out a way to give this man who. Uh, Wanted to observe his faith on Sunday, the Sabbath, right? Hey, remember, what was the movie? Uh, Chariots of Fire. The same thing. You had that missionary who was very, very fast. He was a great runner for Britain and, uh, or was it Scotland? I don't know. One of those countries. And he was in the Olympics and there was a great big moral dilemma because the big race was on Sunday and that was not, he was not going to run. He was not going to run on Sunday. It's the Sabbath. Now, quite frankly, I, you know, this is open to interpretation. Oh, by the way, okay, it doesn't like, you know, because it, it is open to interpretation. I would have urged him to run the race, but whatever. That's his conviction, and that's his conviction. The same goes for this mail carrier, and they can't accommodate him? They couldn't. They, the, the, the post office, he'd work six other days. You name it. The post office has gone woke. And by woke, I mean anti-Christian, anti-faith. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on right now. A lot of it from corporate America and the rest. And, um, well, thank you. Uh, thanks for people like Barbara out there fighting the fight and explaining that the, the separation of church and state, people have taken it totally distorted what it really means. You know, I think one of these guys, I don't know which one it was, was it John Adams, uh, somebody, Thomas Jefferson? Basically, the entire system of American government can't work without people believing in God. All right. The whole thing, the whole the Constitution is based on people believing. 
without that, everything kind of uh, collapses on itself. All right. Uh, with that, I do have to go across the street. Let's uh, let's uh, do uh, Scott. Hi, Scott Newton, New Jersey. Hi. Hey, Greg. How you doing? Good. Hey, listen. Uh, in Psalm eighty-two, verse six, it says, "I said that ye are gods." That's plural, more than one. And Jesus extrapolates that in John chapter ten. 33 through 36. All right. The, I, you're, all right. So what's the bottom line? The bottom line is, is that we are multidimensional beings. We are all potential gods. And what I want us to do... Uh, we are all potential gods. I'm not exactly following you on this, but uh, uh, what? what's the latest? What's the last thing you want to say? Well, in the prophet Joel... Chapter 2, verse 28 says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, Uh and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Now, that prophecy was fulfilled in 1973 when Enoch delivered the keys of Enoch to Dr. J. Oh, you told me about this. You're that guy with that book. All right, look, thanks. You don't have to try to sneak this in. I will say this, pal, uh, and I thank you for your call and thank you, but I will, uh, you know, you kind of like confuse people and sometimes it can be used, and you know this as a form of trickery when you invoke this verse and that verse and you're right. I've seen people do this and it intimidates some people and it says, well, I could never... You know, like I have to master the Bible. It's like becoming a lawyer or something like that. And it doesn't, in my opinion, work that way. It doesn't. It reveals itself to you. You open that book and something special happens to you, to you, to you. Um, anyway, uh, let's see. Because a couple of people told me about that book and they told me to not read it. All right. And uh, the people who've told me to not read it, quite frankly, I, 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 I like them. Scott, no offense, more than I like you. Uh, Norman in Brooklyn. Yes, Greg. Um, I was going to talk to you about the transgender stuff, but since, uh, but I know better than the head of the ATF, and I will define an assault weapon for you. It is either a rifle, 32 inches larger, in which case that's an assault rifle. If it's smaller than that, it's an assault pistol. No, you're, 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 uh, uh, Norman, I don't care. Did you get this from the Wikipedia? Did you get it from Wikipedia? No, I get this from not, not, just being no, a life no, member no, of the NRA. Norman, 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 no, 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 no. It doesn't have anything to do with the length of the weapon. It does not. And, uh, you know, the... It does not. That's that. Well, get back to me on that, but it's not that. I'll see you tonight at ten. 